Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. We've been focusing our Sunday morning messages this fall on um, some sections in in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy where Moses uh, gathered the people of Israel together to remind them of their life priorities as individuals and as a nation. And uh, they were standing on the brink, really, of a new era as there there would be a change of leadership that would go on. Uh, Moses was old and would soon be passing the baton to Joshua, who would then lead the people into the Promised Land. And before that baton was passed, then Moses took that opportunity to put before the people then priorities and how they should live if they desired God's blessing there in the Promised Land. And uh, as I think about it, uh, these God-given priorities are every bit as relevant for the people of God in our country today as, as we face some uncertain times and we look ahead at, at elections and possible changes even in the political leadership of our land. The, the, the first week that we looked at uh, this passage in Deuteronomy, we were looking in chapter 4, and, and there we were challenged to listen to the law of, of God and, and to protect its contents and to be careful not to forget or drift away from it. And, and Moses reminded the people of, of some sobering examples of what happened when people did neglect to listen to God. The, the week after that, we looked at chapter 6, and, and there we were reminded of how pursuing that goal of then multiple generations uh, li- having a living faith relationship with God requires then some deliberate practices of passing on the faith by living it and, and talking about it um, in, in everyday family life. And in the weeks uh, that followed then, we, we've been learning afresh from specific commandments here in chapter 5 that God laid out for his people regarding their relationship with him and with each other. And we've gotten through three of the commandments, and these Ten Commandments are every bit as relevant for us today in the United States of America as they were for the people of Israel back in Moses' day. But I suspect that many have forgotten them. Many folks in our country have maybe never even learned them. And you know, the Ten Commandments of God haven't changed, even if our society has changed very significantly in our own lifetimes And we can't just choose to modify them, even if kings or presidents or Supreme Court justices or even popes suggest that we should. And so look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 5. And I'm not going to have you stand again. It's very short here, but I'm reading from chapter 5, verse 16, where it has the fourth commandment. And then I'm also going to just read the explanation from Luther's catechism on this. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives to you. The Exodus passage is very similar, just a little bit shorter. And then the explanation from Luther's Catechism says this. What does this mean? It means that we should fear and love God so we do not despise our parents or those in authority or provoke them to anger but honor, serve, obey, love, and esteem them. Let's pause and pray. Lord, we ask that as we meditate on this commandment that you would be our teacher. Lord, that you would remind us of what it relates to in our homes and beyond that 
uh, as we relate to those in authority in various ways. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, help us as we consider our own attitudes and our actions regarding them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first table of the law is the first three commandments, and in all of them deal with our, our relationships with God Almighty. And uh, the first one is have no other gods before him, and then not misusing his holy name, and then not neglecting Sabbath rest where we pause with his people and hear his holy word. The second table of the law, then, is the commandments four through six, and, and all of them deal with our relationships, then, with other people. And so as we consider the fourth commandment, note this first of all, that after the priority of our relationship with God, our next priority is to be our relationships in our homes. And that's what we see here, is God's highest priority regarding interpersonal human relationships is home life. And so I ask you today, then, how is life in your home these days? Is it dominated by kind words and thoughtful deeds? Or harsh words and selfish deeds? Whatever life is like in your home will likely have a profound effect on how each family member feels about and deals with life in general. And whatever life is like in our homes of America today will have a profound effect even on the future then of our country. John Ruskin said this, and I quote, the history of the world is not the record of great wars, but the history of its households. No nation can be lifted higher than its homes. No nation can survive unless its homes are strong. End quote. Rather sobering thought, isn't it, as we think of our own country. In, in America today, nearly 40% of children are born to unwed mothers. About 30% do not live in homes that have two parents. About a fourth of fathers live apart from their children. About 46% of two-parent homes have both parents working full-time outside the home, and so families are pulled in many directions. About 22% of young adults aren't raised in any particular religion. About 29% of American families never attend church or a synagogue, and with COVID-19, numbers probably are increasing even more on that. And yet, you know, this pandemic may also bring an opportunity to strengthen home life for parents to be more involved than in the moral and spiritual training of their children. God's building blocks for society include the home and the church and the state. And he has placed leaders in positions of authority in each of them. And God's plan for a strong society then starts with families and homes where he's honored and obeyed. Damon Siemens wrote a book on the Ten Commandments that he titled God's Blueprint for Life. And he says in it regarding the Fourth Commandment, God has given us a command and a promise. It's a command that children obey and honor their parents and that parents be the kind of persons that children can respect and honor. It's a command that parents instruct and bring their children up in the teachings and way of the Lord. It's a command that both parents and children learn obedience, love, honor, and respect, not just once a week in church, but every day of the week in the greatest temple of all, the home. Well, secondly today then, whereas God calls all of us to, to love our neighbors, he calls us to honor our parents. What does that word honor mean? It literally means to give weight to. 
to, to honor someone is to give priority to them. It's to allow who they are and what they say to have great weight with us. It's to consider them extremely valuable. So how do you go about showing honor to someone? I, I, I enjoy uh, Gary Smalley and some of his writings, and he suggested in one of his books this uh, uh, kind of extreme example to get his point across. He says, let's just say that the husband comes home at night and the whole family meets him at the door. And instead of running past him to go out and play or watch TV or other things, um, he, he's greeted with a collective chorus of, ah, look who's here. And then to his amazement, the wife and kids roll out the red carpet runner into the house and he walks down that and kids are throwing rose petals at his feet and, and scurrying ahead of him, they usher him to his easy chair and prop up his feet and lovingly hand him his paper and peel grapes for him, throwing them at an angle into his mouth to eat. Any of you men gotten that kind of reception lately when you came home? A ridiculous example. But Smalley encourages that attitude of honor demonstrated in that scenario. Well, the opposite of honor is disrespect or, or despising. And Martin Luther addresses this in his explanation to the fourth commandment. Um, when he explains what's forbidden, he says uh, it is despising parents or superiors is forbidden. And why is it wrong to despise parents or superiors? Well, it's because God has placed them over us to care for us, and so then we would be despising a gift that he has given us. To despise is, is to look with contempt or aversion. It's such a strong word. Kids, you never despise your parents, do you? You just get frustrated with them when they're dumb rules, right? You, you don't understand them. You know, you don't like being around them sometimes. You can't stand some of their weird habits uh, or their outdated styles of clothes and things like that, right? You don't despise them, though. That's such a strong word, right? I have to confess that during my teenage years, there was a period in my life where I found that my attitude toward my dad was one of despising. I thought he was terribly old-fashioned, out of touch, too strict, and just plain dumb sometimes. I knew better than him how to run the family and the farm and how to drive. I didn't have my license yet, but... <laughs> and you know, I thought most of his ideas were dumb, and sometimes I even took the occasion to tell him so. Um, my frustration with my dad developed into an attitude of despising, and it was about in ninth grade when the Lord finally broke through in my heart and my mind and he showed me the sinfulness of my attitude and that inner rebellion that was there. And, and over time, that, it melted away into a love for my dad. You know, I never um, got myself to apologize to dad for that lousy attitude I'd had as a junior higher. Um, but change did come and uh, dad saw it. And I remember sometime later, um, during my high school years, where we were driving the pickup together, and, and he said something like this to me. He said, Lloyd, you know, you're a whole lot easier to live with than you used to be. <laughs> I don't know how I responded, but I, I knew what he was talking about. We are not to despise our parents or, or really anyone that God has placed over us. 
And that includes those who are in charge of our homes and our schools and our workplaces and our churches and our state and our nation. And Scripture points out to us that, that lawlessness and despising of authority will increase in the end times. And we sure see that in our culture today, don't we? With the protests that have turned into uh, lawless riots in cities all over our country and with the hatred that spewed on social media toward leaders of both political parties of, at state and national levels. And, you know, we who call ourselves Christians can tend to look at that and condemn such blatant despising and destruction. And maybe we forget to take a look in our own hearts, at our own attitudes at times. And I have to say that though I restrain myself from posting much online, I struggle in my own heart at times with an attitude of despising some of those in positions of authority um, whom it seems to me are blatantly ungodly or who seem to me to be power-hungry political leaders. And God would not have us despise those that he has placed in authority, even when they disregard his ways. He calls us instead to pray for them. And... Uh, as Ryan already mentioned, an opportunity for us even this week to come together on Wednesday night just to pray, especially for our nation and for its leaders and for the elections and so on. You know, God also forbids us from provoking them to anger. And, and uh, what is it that provokes authorities to anger? It's deliberate disobedience, for one thing. Have you ever watched a, a little child look right at their parents as they do the exact opposite of what they were told to do? They're provoking their parents to anger. What else does that? Well, constant grumbling or complaining. I don't want to go to bed. I don't, I don't want to eat that. Didn't we have that yesterday? Those type of things have never been said at your home, have they? Children were not to provoke parents to anger. What's interesting, in Ephesians chapter 6, it also reminds us that parents are not to exasperate or provoke their children to anger. And how might that happen? Harsh words that are meant to hurt at times. Discipline that doesn't fit the offense. Too many rules and expectations can provoke children to anger as well. You know, I have observed that when parents' rules are extremely strict or complicated and controlling, here's what goes on in the, in the heart and the conscience of a child. They become disheartened. And instead of gladly obeying every rule that's given by loving parents whom they know have their, their children's best interests in mind, they begin to really doubt that that's true. And they give up on the goal of obeying everything. And in order to give their conscience a rest, uh, instead they decide which rules they'll actually try to obey and which ones in their mind legitimately they can disobey as just unreasonable. And I'm convinced that the same thing happens when government officials get carried away with making laws and controlling details of their citizens' lives. The citizens begin to then doubt the motives of the officials um, as being really in the interest of the best interest of their citizens. And, and, and since compliance with all those rules feels ridiculous or impossible burden for the conscience, they, they end up then choosing which rules to obey and which to disregard, or when to obey and when to disregard. And you know, wise parents and, and wise government officials will be careful not to provoke their children or their subjects to anger. But what about when parents and government officials aren't so wise? 
where circumstances are quite complicated to sort out. Well, Scripture makes it clear that children are to obey their parents as long as they're not asked to disobey God in the process. And it could be argued that the same should be true for citizens obeying their government officials. However, the structure of the government in our land makes it a bit more complicated than that sometimes. And I, I have to just pause and give a little civics lesson here, put up with that if, um, if you already know all this, but we live in a democratic constitutional republic. And that means that we have a form of government in which we, the people, elect individuals to represent the citizens and, and exercise power then according to the rule of law that is under something we call a constitution. And our constitution then spells out separation of powers into three branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. And the legislative is responsible for making the laws. The executive is to carry them out. And the judicial is charged with evaluating and defining the reach of those laws. And so, with this coronavirus pandemic, there's been a tension between various branches of government in our land. And when those in the executive branch have claimed emergency powers and assumed the right to make laws, bypassing legislative branch to do so, there's a tension that happens there. And so it can be argued that if and when governors assume powers not granted them by the Constitution, which is over them, then their acclaimed authority is illegitimate. And just how you see all that, and if that's the case or not in various situations, is a struggle for us to sort out. And it's, it's a struggle for many of us in our conscience then, and how we're going to respond to some of those things in our individual lives, in our lives together as Christians. And as your pastor, I, I have been conflicted inside about how to lead a congregation through a time like this. And I am convinced, however, that no matter which side politically each of us lands, and no matter where we land regarding mask mandates and so on, we are called to love each other and to treat each other with respect. And to work together for the greater cause spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately needs the hope that only he can give. And no matter who's in charge, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our churches, and in government, we're not to despise them or provoke them to anger. But as Luther says in the commandments, or in, his, in the catechism regarding this, he says what's commanded is to honor, serve, obey, love and esteem them. And regarding parents, he spells it out this way in his larger catechism. He says, what's meant by honor to parents as required by this commandment? It's that they would be esteemed and prized above everything else as the most precious treasure we have on earth. Well, if we can have that perspective about each other each day in our homes, what a heaven on earth our homes would be. And it all starts with humbling ourselves before God and each other and admitting our sins and our bad attitudes and asking God to help us to show love and honor to each other. And if we can spend time together in God's word and in prayer, then he helps us with that. A few weeks back, um, the Board of Education gave out a little tube with sticks um, that have a verse and a prayer on them, and I don't know if anybody's been using those dippers or not, but I'd love to hear if that or other things have been a help to you 
as you bring your family together. A couple other things here as we get to the end. This commandment comes with a twofold promise of prolonged days as the first one. You see it there where it says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged. Is God saying here then that if we obey our parents perfectly, we're going to live to a ripe old age? I don't think so, because no one has ever obeyed their parents perfectly except Jesus, and so then the promise would be for no one but him. I believe that what God holds before us in this commandment is that obeying likely leads to a longer life than a life of disobedience. And he, or said in the negative, disobedience may unnecessarily shorten your life. And it only stands to reason that if you give yourself to constantly breaking rules meant to protect you, then you take a risk of harming yourself. But if you give yourself to following those rules, it can result in the blessing of God. And ultimately, only God knows the length of each of our days, and it's not for us to fully understand how it is that some get more than others. Ours is not to try to explain it for somebody else's situation either, but to be thankful to the Lord for each day that he gives us. And the second part of the promise that's attached to this commandment is prosperity in the new land. And it's interesting here, um, in the Ten Commandments list in Exodus, it doesn't include that, but here in Deuteronomy it does. And I believe that's due to what is just ahead when he gives this word to, in Deuteronomy, as they are just ready to go into the promised land shortly. And he's saying essentially, then, do you want it to go well with you in the land that God's given you? Then don't forget this commandment. There's one other thing that I, I think we need to mention here as we come toward the end, and that is this. Take a look at Jesus regarding this commandment. And I want to just glance at three scriptures that reveal some key things about Jesus and this commandment. And, and in contrast to us who are sinners and who so easily rebel against God and against our parents, against others in authority, but as we look to Jesus, what we see is this. He kept this commandment perfectly. He obeyed his heavenly Father in everything, even when it meant going all the way to the cross and dying there as a sacrifice for sinners. And he also obeyed his earthly parents. And, and we see that in Luke chapter 2, where when he goes at age 12 to the temple and, and he stays there and is about his heavenly Father's business, and Joseph and Mary end up looking for him and finding him, and he explains that to them. And then he says, or then it says about him that he went down with them. And he came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and with men. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus spoke out strongly to the Pharisees and scribes who were neglecting taking care of their elderly parents, and they were claiming that this money was given to God instead, so they couldn't take care of their parents. And Jesus rebuked them for that. When we get toward the end of Matthew, chapter 27, there we see Jesus is dying on the cross, and some of his last thoughts were to make sure his mother was taken care of. And he passes that responsibility on to his disciple John, who's standing there with her. You know, we all fall short of perfect obedience to this commandment, but we look to Jesus who kept it perfectly and who fulfilled the whole will and law of God in our place. And in him there's forgiveness for our failures in this area. And there's empowerment to change. And so we need to ask the Lord each day then, 
Help us live in daily repentance and faith regarding this commandment. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and, and Lord, for our homes, and the gift that family is to us. Children to their parents, and parents to their children. What a gift. Help us to see it that way, Lord, each day, even when we get annoyed with each other. And Lord, we pray that, that you would work within homes, that we'd have an attitude of love and respect for each other, uh, that there'd be an honoring of the parents. And Lord, as we look beyond that, at those that you placed over us in authority in various capacities, give us hearts that would not despise, even when we see at times things that we think are wrong. But Lord, help us that we would pray for and support those in leadership. And Lord, thank you that in our country, you also have the right to have a voice in, in who is leading. And we pray that you would guide us, even as we look ahead at voting for various positions of leadership in our land. And Lord, we ask that your will would be done in our individual lives and in this land, and that you would strengthen homes, that there would be a, a turning to you uh, among parents and children alike. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.